Hello, everyone. I'm Justin Oliveras. And I'm Carrie Clements. We are the co-hosts of Food Service for Thought. Not sure how you got here, but we are so glad that you did. Food Service for Thought is a podcast that shares the thoughts and insights from professionals in all areas of the food service industry to transparently unite and strengthen the business of serving food to the public, no matter where they are. We will be talking to food service professionals like chefs, restaurant owners, nutritionists, dietitians, caterers, pastry chefs, kitchen designers, restaurant interior designers, farmers, food manufacturers, restaurant equipment manufacturers, and pretty much anyone who might have anything to do with the food that you eat. So if you love food, if you are curious about all aspects of the food service and hospitality industry and want to be sure there are always great places to enjoy food, this is your kind of podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Food Service for Thought podcast. Justin and Carrie here. And today, this episode, we are going to take a few minutes and explain and talk about why we're so excited about this podcast and what the goal and purpose of this podcast is. And we're so excited to be here. And Carrie, I know that you had been thinking about this for a long time. So if you could take a minute and explain to our listeners kind of your vision for this and and how it came to be. Absolutely. Well, you know, our industry is changing so much and for such a big part of our economy, you know, I was just reading, I think uh, the food service industry as a whole was responsible in um, 2012, I believe it was, for $7.2 trillion or something like that. And um, but but there's still so many people who don't understand what this industry is about. And, you know, we read a lot and hear a lot about the importance of connecting and understanding that we're all connected yet our industry is so segmented and I'm sure our industry isn't the only one that has that issue but this is the industry we're in and so this is the one that uh that I uh, I is near and dear to my heart and um you know I don't even think my parents really understand what it is that we do as manufacturers reps and it's kind of difficult to understand so when I wanted to unravel that it occurred to me well there's so many other you know segments of our industry just I mean like and I know you'll be able to talk more to this later about just how you've come to understand the different levels so I think it's important for the general public to understand the many segments and then feel connected to us and maybe make their dining choices that way. Uh, I belong to a few Facebook groups that, you know, I can see exchanges. They're just those private culinary groups or private restaurant groups and the private exchanges, somebody will go out to eat at a restaurant and then have some really vicious comments about their experience and it occurs to me that's that's probably because they don't understand what goes into feeding the public, whether it's at a restaurant or hospital or whatever. But but that's disturbing to me on, on many levels. One, that somebody would just, you know, willingly <laughs> affect somebody's income without maybe having spoken to a manager first. Um, but also... Right. I, don't you know i mean have you ever read those and you're like gosh what what happened and then you you know um their water didn't have ice in it or they had a dirty fork and it's like the end of times yeah and when it's and it's easy to be outraged when you can hide behind um you know an, an email or a facebook post or something like that and it's much more difficult to just have the simple conversation while you're there you know in in the moment and you don't have to be emotional about it and oftentimes 
um, the restaurant or the person that you're working with, they might not even realize it. And just like you, they might be having a bad day uh, or might be having a good day or whatever the case is. But I've found that it's it's a lot easier just to, to do the outrage on social media or tell your friends, what a terrible experience and I'll never go there again and this and that as opposed to, you know, okay, well, you didn't have ice in your glass. Why didn't you just ask for ice? <laughs> Not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I it's why I don't use Yelp reviews or travel advisor or anything like that anymore because I can't trust it. People are so reactive and, um, I, you know, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I really don't think it's a generational thing. I think it's it's a people thing. It's kind of like to road rage. Anyway, my thoughts are if we're all connected and people understand a little bit better, they can have some compassion and and um, maybe that'll affect the way that they eat out. Like I said, you know, restaurants, I think most people assume restaurants make all this money. And as a whole, like chain restaurants and things, they've certainly um, learned to take costs out and do a really good job on food safety and watching margins. But independent restaurants and and even franchisees, they're not rolling in the dough, you know. Oh, that was funny. That was a pun. And I didn't even really. Yeah. Didn't even see. Yeah. Had it been a funny pun, I would have laughed. But but we digress. Uh Well, I mean feel like everybody is laughing except for you but that's okay i mean you just had a kid you're really tired so that's uh, right i am exhausted you're so tired you're so tired well so it, and I, you know one of the other things i read is that there are 10 million people in may 2017 it was reported there were 10 million people in the food service industry so by food service and you can talk to that later we mean people that are preparing food and serving it to people so it doesn't have to be at a restaurant. It can be at a hospital or wherever else you might have somebody preparing your food. But yeah. anyway, so that that's really it. Connection. I think that the more the different segments of our industry connect with the general public, we will be more united and connected and, and you know, a more welcoming environment for entrepreneurs to start their dreams and build their businesses. So that's why. Well, and you said two words that to me stuck out. And the first one was connected. And the second one uh, is segments. And I was fortunate enough to spend about five or so years working in the food service industry uh, at country clubs and restaurants. And I had no idea that all these other segments existed, or maybe a better way to say, I just didn't realize that everything was sort of still under the same umbrella. And I was off in my own little world of, of country club and, and standalone restaurants, but that's just a, a tiny segment of the food service industry. And when you think about when I came in to this role here with Forbes, Eber, and Wallace as a manufacturer's rep, I my eyes were opened to all the different segments to include um, hotels and healthcare facilities such as hospitals and long-term care and assisted living and ch- uh, chain and franchise restaurants and schools with their nutrition. And there's just so many different segments. And then you can even get into some grocery stores as far as now a lot of them are moving towards having more delis and and grab-and-go type things to offer convenience stores. There's just so much um, in the industry, and I don't think everybody understands that there's so many people in the industry and that they're all sort of connected. 
uh, even though they're kind of off in their own own segment. So one of the goals that I hope we achieve is to sort of bridge that gap between all the different segments of the industry and people that are butchers will now have more a better understanding of what it's like to be um, in the struggles of being a chef at a healthcare facility and uh, restaurant chefs and line cooks might have a better understanding of what it's like to work in a kitchen of a high school or a college and university and I think the more we can bridge the gap and connect everybody I think the, the better it's going to be for everybody to have a um, a better understanding of how to work together and hopefully that'll that'll help the industry thrive in, in more ways. You know, I'm writing down something. I, w- I want one of our guests to be somebody from uh, the TDA or the USDA. When you talked about healthcare, the challenges of being a healthcare chef, I, you know, I mean, you and I know a lot about that now because we, we visit with these customers. But I mean, a while back and, and every year at the at the Tassin industry, which I should say is the Texas Association of School Nutrition, um, at their industry meeting, the TDA, which is an extension of the USDA, will give kind of a, an update of regulations or changes or things that people need to be aware of or questions that they've received a lot of that they want to have some clarifications. And it's shocking to me how we can serve kids in schools, in public schools, for so little that, I mean, it costs hardly anything for the parents to pay for these lunches. And, of course, we have these programs for uh, children whose parents are unable to pay for lunch or, you know, or, or at least as much, you know, the 250 350 whatever it is. I know it can't be 250 anymore. But um, and then you hear this, these people talk about the regulations on salt and calories and fat and, and everything and. I think that's going to be a cool thing for our listeners to learn is how difficult it is to meet all these guidelines and these people go to work every day. And, you know, if you just started, like if you went and took that job, Justin, and they said, here's your five binders, you know, of exactly. information that you need to know, you'd, you'd look at it and you go, Mm-mm, nope, quit done yeah well and, and a lot of them it's like okay you have to make a, a chicken dish um but you can't use oil or butter and you can't use uh salt and i'm waiting for them to say and you can't use chicken so I'm like <laughs> oh, okay great i'll make a chicken dish and i can't use chicken all right fantastic but i you're right because i don't think a lot of people that are maybe uh that are guests um at healthcare facilities or parents of uh children in schools realize just the sort of challenges that those segments of the industry face as opposed to when you go to a regular restaurant and you can you know dump two spoonfuls of butter in the tomato sauce to make Amen. it taste extra good and uh, then you go somewhere else and you think well how come this doesn't taste as good well because they have as you said five binders worth of checklists that they have to abide by um, in order to make that chicken dish including not using chicken you know think about the time here everybody listening here's what you do Think about the times when you sit down to make your grocery list and you're thinking, this is the week that we eat healthier and, or you're on a diet or whatever. You're really, I'm always on a diet, Carrie. You're always on a diet. Yes, me too. Bacon, cheese, mayonnaise, but you're, you know, so, so you got to measure this out, right? So I'm going to have, I'm going to have whatever, 2000 calories a day. And 
I'm only going to have this much fat and this much salt and this many carbs. And so if, you know, this keto movement's a big thing. Um, so everybody on a keto movement, imagine trying to figure that out for 3,000 people to serve them all at about the same time. But some of them can't have salt. Some of them can't need carbs. And some of them need less fat. So try to figure that out. And, and you and can't so, just eyeball the recipe. You can't eyeball. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, you can't go, I know this is an ounce of pecans. I know this is, well, and add that. There might be nut allergies. So I, I think. That's true. <laughs> I think that uh, I love the idea of even just a few hundred people or a thousand people getting this message and then sharing it. Hey, you know, with their friends or spouse or whatever. I heard this podcast. Did you know there was this industry or this? I love the idea of that. I, I really do. It makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's part of it. I know one of the things that, that you wanted to talk about too were some of the, the big topics that are sort of the buzz in in the food service industry now. Um, I know a couple of them are, are near and dear to your heart. So can you can you share one or two of those those topics and, and your thoughts on it? Yeah, I was making a list and it's good timing for this recording because we're also working on Expo that's in December and then building uh, the website for that and picking speakers. And it seems like the the topics that are just really on the forefront of, I mean, every periodical that we get so nation's restaurant news or food equipment specialists uh food equipment sorry fes magazine um and then all of the podcasts uh, sorry not podcasts the the uh blogs are about millennials and now gen z like i just put a thing on my linkedin deal because i was like but i'm still trying to learn millennials don't i have a little bit of time before gen z is a thing but no we don't they've i mean a lot of them don't have jobs yet because they're in high school but um i think the the oldest ones are just now reaching the age of 20 for gen z's but it's so hard to figure out and you know people say well what's the difference between when we were younger and and our parents were thinking you know, pretty much how rotten we were. I'll say, first of all, I don't think millennials or Gen Z or anybody, uh, any generation is rotten. But I would say that millennials and Gen Z are more than anyone going to shape food service. And so I've been deep diving into how that is. And Justin, you know, we've done some training and some talks internally at Forbes Heber and Wallace about millennials and gen z and gen x and baby boomers and how they affect our industry and it's different for everybody you know what i look for in a restaurant uh really are two things but what millennials look for are constant newness constant change constant like it has to be something crazy that they get to talk to their friends about and post on social media, which, uh, you know, I applaud them for wanting to have all these new experiences. The, the impact on our food service industry, though, is, is, is huge. It's immeasurable at this point. So um, that's a big thing. And hopefully we'll have conversations and guests that can speak to that. Um, and then because of millennials, dining habits 
restaurants like chain restaurants and people can roll their eyes at chain restaurants but let me tell you they employ a great many of those 10 million people and they're important to us they're important not just to you know you and me but to the economy as a whole and so they're struggling to find their place um and some of them are doing well and and shifting and pivoting and um adapting (laughs) and and others are are you know trying to figure it out and you'll see a lot of uh the magazines reporting or or the a lot of email blast daily reporting a new ceo um and uh, you know that's got to be difficult for restaurants to just pop in a new ceo it's kind of like football time right now with new coaches but anyway um well so- those are those chain restaurants that's a that's a big ship to turn around and it's not easy to to do it on a dime you know so if you they bring in a new ceo to you know, pick your chain, large chain restaurant, and they want to implement things. That's great, but it's that takes time. That takes a year. You know, for these restaurants to even visually get a facelift to the exterior of the building, or redesign the interior, or implement a few menu items, and it's you know they have to sort of be constantly evolving and constantly testing new concepts uh, because they have to be prepared to roll something out if there's a big trend towards something you know with with a lot of uh a lot of smaller chain smaller multi-unit chains that aren't the giant ones right i you know that's when you mentioned giant ones so there's so many different levels of chains too you know um we use the term emerging chains micro chains um or multi-unit and i think when we say multi-unit we mean like the big ones you know 200 or more locations and a micro chain might be two or three and emerging I have to you know I think people use that term differently Um, but regardless these these are these micro chains that millennials love or the emerging chains that they love it's it'd be important to remember that the big chains the big multi-unit conglomerates were also micro chains at one point they started off with one location the it's it's like when people say a musician sold out you know because they got a big contract i mean (laughs) when did success become selling out you know exactly when did achieving your dreams become a bad thing um and listen i'm all about taking care of the little guy also but um you know let's let's have some perspective here not to deny any generation their millennial not to deny millennials or gen z you know or to judge their dining habits so uh, back to the reason for the podcast is just connecting and making sure that people understand and that we have some sense of responsibility and so enjoy your your independent restaurant and their great fusion meals or whatever has drawn you to that location and then also you know balance some of your dining decisions with personal responsibility i guess so um, i like the idea of this podcast connecting people and making it less of a bad thing to go to a chain um, and and support the people who work there locally you know i think that's i mean i myself have heard so many times people talk about not going to chains or not going to um you know and it could be anything it could be like a whiskey cake or chilies or uh you know i don't know uh 
Twisteroo, whatever. Um, they don't want to go there. They want to go over here to this independent. And um, I get it, but I, I don't know. I feel like you and me probably have a different different viewpoint on the chain deal. Yeah, I think there's a there's a time and a place for everything, and I think the to be candid, I think the chains, the the large chains, several you know for the years ago, uh, did not put out a, a very good product, and with this sort of just boom in the food service industry with all of these smaller, like you said, emerging chains um, and new concepts and the burger concept and the taco concept and uh, those the emerging chains with pizza concepts now and salad concepts and all that. It's forced the larger chains to sort of step up their game um, and, you know, not not rely on on as much frozen product or as much, you know, just sort of bagged produce and and, and that kind of thing and, and step up their game to be to, to offer more fresh selections and more updated menu items and a more health conscious menu, not necessarily healthy, but just offer more reasonable things. You know, you, if you go out for lunch with friends and you, and you go to a large chain, um, you know, it's nice to, to say, well, I don't want to have a salad, but I also want to, don't want to have a triple bacon cheeseburger gut bomb <laughs> with quadruple fries. You know, I, I want just something normal. You know, I just what want a normal had- lunch. Justin, if you had that, I'm calling. If I had that, I'm calling in for the afternoon and saying, "Sorry, I'm taking a nap. I'll see you tomorrow." First of all, wear your stretchy pants. I'll take care of that. That's Second right. All, Elastic waist. <laughs> what if you had a triple, quadruple bacon cheeseburger salad? Oh, sure. Well, then it's good. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Get it with a diet coke, and you're fine. Yeah, but you know what? That's a good point. There's a, a chain that I like to go to because I know what to expect. I know the menu by heart. And, you know, I've got 45 minutes. I want to sit down and answer some emails. It's quiet. Um, and they have like six healthy menu items. That's it. Um, but I, uh, there's one of them that I like or six or 10 or 12. I don't know. That, but there's one that I like. Um, and I, I'm surprised that more chain restaurants don't do that. Um, they'll have the salad. But then... There's the, you know, fried chicken on top of it or whatever, which if I'm being 100% honest, if there's a healthy salad um, that's got, you know, just five gazillion vegetables and I don't even know what all those flavors are or the one with the chicken, I'm probably getting the one with the chicken, but, but some healthier there, I won't go to a restaurant that doesn't have some known healthy choices. I, I just yep. won't, you know, because I don't know if they're going to be open to, can you give me this, but without that, that, and that, you know, I just don't, yep, exactly. I don't know that. Um, but, but what you said earlier was great. So there's small restaurants or these emergent chains or micro chains or independent restaurants. Um, they are forcing the bigger chains to add healthier options. And I think that's, you know, going to be a progressive thing they'll have more and more options when you look at restaurants like uh salada which is kind of a you know it's like a salad buffet but you have so many choices so even if salad wasn't your favorite thing you can have a great yummy salad that is 
so much healthier for you. I mean, you could get an unhealthy salad there, I guess, if you wanted, but you know, um, it's so much better for you. So you wonder what is that going to do to some, you know, no name brand chains? What are they going, when when they start taking notice of Salada? Um, so that, that was a really good point about the, the independence. Thank you for making that point. Well, yeah. And of of course, um, I'll send you a bill. Um, One of the, one of the other topics that sort of what you were mentioning before with how Gen Z and millennials are impacting the, the food service industry and enforcing some change um, in how people eat and dine out. I, th- I think a big part of that, and you mentioned Salada made me think of that, is sort of the build your own concept. And um, I think you're seeing a major shift towards that in the way that people want to experience eating, which is I don't want to just go to a restaurant, younger people, excuse me. Yes. Younger people, which is they don't want to just go to a restaurant and look at a menu and say, I'll have, you know, the, the chicken and rice, uh, with, with green beans. They like to go to a place where they can build their own and they can be in charge and have ownership of what they're going to be eating and say, Hey, I, I want tacos, but I only want them with this and that, or I want a salad, but I don't want it with the dressing that comes with it. And I want to be able to add whatever vegetables or fruit that I want to and add whatever protein I want to. And I think you're seeing a lot of emerging chains with that type of an offering. And I think that's forcing the larger chains and even some standalone restaurants and independent restaurants to start thinking about and or already begin offering something some something of that type um of experience uh, at least uh, in part on on part of their menu and i think that's sort of i look at that as sort of the wave of of the future as far as eating and you can even see it in the way consumer shop with with amazon is a great example where they don't want to have to go to the store they just want to get what they want and they want it sent to their house and they don't want to have to go through a lot of the hoopla and now that can be both good and bad because uh part of the experience of shopping is is visiting the local stores and and um and looking at everything and seeing things but i think you're starting to see a major shift like that and i for one even though i'm not a millennial um i still enjoy that experience as far as eating as being able to pick what i want and then i have ownership of it and i can be as healthy or as unhealthy or as conscious or as unconscious as i want to be about what i'm eating you know so you're not a millennial but you're you're kind of right at the line between sharing my generation, Gen X, and Millennial. So you're a Gillennial. I'm a Gillennial X. You're a Gillennial X, yeah. So, you know, I, this counter service culture um, where you can walk up and, and build your own like a Freebirds or a um, Salada or a gazillion others um, – I wonder if that's because parents took their kids to McDonald's all the time to play and they, maybe that's where this comes from. And that maybe the twist is they want it healthier. They want to see it, see the food right there in front of them. But maybe that counterculture, um, is literally counterculture because they went to McDonald's all the time as young children. I'm, that's just a thing I'm wondering about and, and who knows, but, but the, you, you know, the, the removing yourself from people that you talked about, like um, getting things delivered. I, I know it's going to have some negative consequences down the road. I don't know what they will be. And of course, like anything, they're not going to be negative for everyone, you know, 
Um, sure. and, and humans adapt, we adapt. Um, and if, if, you know, you think somebody's getting too much power, do something about it, I'd say, but I do, I don't love the, so here, here's the thing. Counter service to me is a lunchtime thing. So going to pick your yep. own is a lunchtime thing. So that's maybe me being, uh, on the older side of Gen X is, I was going to say Gen Z, <laughs> Gen X <laughs> is, um, uh, I, at dinner time, I, I like to have an experience too, but my experience is to connect with whoever I'm eating with, which I would think millennials enjoy as well. People enjoy people. Um, oh my gosh. I had just heard Barbara Streisand song in my head. People who need people. <laughs> do you not know that song? If we had like an editing not. team, I would say edit it in here. Um, I, I'll send it to you though. Uh, but you're, I won't sing it to you. Anyway, uh, I, I like to sit down and have dinner with my husband or my family or my friends and kind of just let somebody come ask me what I want and then bring it to me, <laughs> you know, uh, while I yep. sit and visit instead of me standing in a line, looking at my phone and everything. So, um, but that's why I like having conversations with the millennials that we do work with because they have some great valid points also. And it's their viewpoint, you know, it's just a difference. It's a difference. It's not a right or wrong. It's a difference. And um, I, I hope we get to explore that a lot in the podcast. And, and um, you know, one of the things that we talk, forgot to talk about even in the industry was food trucks. Like, I wonder yes. if food, what food trucks have shifted and um, are they still as popular as they once were? That, that'll be interesting for us to explore also. Yeah, that's a great point. That, that'd be really neat to dive into. Um, so, I know one of the other topics that you, that you mentioned to me uh, before we started recording was talking about the shrinking footprint um, and you left me with a head scratcher on that one. So could you uh, briefly mention that before we oh. wrap things up? Sure, sure. So um, because of delivery and um, how fast that is growing, meal delivery, however, whatever service somebody's using to get their meals delivered, um, that is changing the footprint of the front of the house and the back of the house. And a good example would be a bazillion years ago, there were pizza restaurants. Um, when I was little, there was Shakey's. I don't know if Shakey's is still around. Yes. Great. Yeah. yeah. It was great fun. And it was a huge restaurant. Well, then pizza started doing delivery and somehow pizza became, there's, there aren't, like really pizza restaurants like that anymore because everything became delivery. Even if there is um, a, a restaurant with a seating service that's, that's, you know, primarily pizza, it's going to be a smaller operation. And that's kind of what's happening. Chains are looking at, or restaurants in general are looking at a smaller footprint. Uh, so, I mean, a smaller space, they don't need as much room for seating and they don't need as much room um, in the kitchen they're not going to be preparing that many, that not a huge variety of foods. And they're looking at how to package, prepare and package the foods in a restaurant to be delivered to somebody. So that's what I mean by shrinking footprint. And well, um, that, that's a great point. And something, when you said that, um, it made me think of, you said a bazillion years ago and how big those, those restaurants were. 
even think about our houses. When I was a kid or Carrie, when you were a kid, the interior design of a house as far as how the layout was all these individual rooms. And now so many houses and sort of everything that's shifting towards and has moved towards is sort of the, the more of the open floor plan of the kitchen and the living room don't really and the dining room don't really have boundaries. They're just sort of all blend together. And I think that speaks further to just sort of the evolution of how people are changing their experience. And now you're looking at people bringing food home with meal delivery services or things like HelloFresh or Blue Apron or Uber Eats. And now they want to be able to enjoy whatever they want, but on their terms even further where, hey, I don't want to sit in a restaurant tonight, but I'd really love to get that meal from that restaurant. And now they can, and they can sit at home and watch Netflix and have the meal that they would have normally had to go out and spend two hours for. Because I agree with you. I love going out to dinner and having that experience and being with friends. But at the end of the day, as I get older, the experience is less about being out and it's more about being with the people Mm -hmm. and if i can be with the people even more on my terms sometimes that's that's appealing um and that's interesting to see that that movement and i'm curious to see how that's going to continue because the pendulum always swings back and forth and i'm curious to see how far it's going to swing yeah it it does and there's you know one, one of the things i'm just making some mental notes um there are so many businesses and apps popping up to help people connect because the way that they're living is disconnected. We've, we've created an environment that's disconnected and it's like, is, is, are these apps and these, these businesses that are coming up to make us feel more connected? Are those band-aids or just part of this new reality? You know, when you talk about it, it, the pendulum change, you know, moving, um, one of the things that as far as being connected or disconnected, um, you know, when you talk about social media, which, um, millennials and Gen Z, Gen Z, it's hard to imagine will be even more connected than millennials. They will be the most connected, um, technology generation, obviously. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer, but when you think about that, like everything, everything revolves around their phones everything and um uh, you know if you ask a millennial or a gen z would they rather lose their wallet or their phone they're gonna say their phone now i i I may as well at this point you know there's a lot of millennial in me um but but uh it's so it's so interesting and we'll we'll see and we'll keep talking about it i like the idea of us adding that um, to the podcast more often. Social media is, um, is huge. And you can tell that why this podcast is going to be great because of the, the, you know, the, the idea of connecting people, social media or the idea of social media can be, can really split people. Um, so millennials and Gen Z, if you tell them, oh, I don't have time for social media, I don't have time for Instagram, hard eye roll. I mean, you just changed who you are to them. And that's the yep. right, you know, that's the right. But um, <laughs> that's their relationship. That's their phone calls. That's they're sitting in the front yard with neighbors. That's the block parties that we used to do. Social media has replaced that. And so we don't get to judge that we we need to understand it 
because the fact is they're going to be in charge of our health care. They're going to be in charge of policy. They're going to be in charge of us, basically, you know. Now we have more money than they do. <laughs> so, so you know, it's not that demographers and, and restaurateurs and industries are ignoring us. But when you're planning for your future, unless you are health care, you're going to plan f- towards what millennials and Gen Zs are, are, are showing us they want. Um, so it's, it's all very interesting. And I guess to wrap up, we should, we should remind everybody that we are manufacturers reps. We represent uh, uh, several wonderful quality manufacturers that uh, make food service equipment and supplies and furniture. And we represent them in Texas and Oklahoma. And we love our end consumers, which are the restaurants and the B&I and the healthcare and schools and colleges and grocery stores and C-stores. We love them and uh, we enjoy working together and we just want this industry to be stronger and more connection will do that. Yes, yes. And we have some really fun guests coming up on the podcast. We're going to talk to some franchise owners of restaurants We're going to talk to some child nutrition directors, some owners of cash and carry restaurant supply stores. Uh, And we have a whole bunch of people that we're going to be talking to, uh, pastry chefs, lots of good people. So we're excited. Uh, We really encourage you to listen and encourage you to review us on iTunes. And uh, we thank you very much for taking a half hour out of your day to listen. And we hope that you stay with us on this journey. And if you have any comments as to how we can improve it or anybody that you would like us to interview, please leave it uh, in the comment section below in iTunes. And we look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you, Carrie. You got it. Talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Food Service for Thought podcast with Carrie and Justin. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And really, even if you didn't, we'd really love it if you leave a positive comment on iTunes. At the very least, please give us a thumbs up and be sure to check in for our next episode. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.